Hey everyone, welcome back to Latter Day Takes. Uh, episode 75 today, by the way. That's kind of fun. Episode 75, three-fourths of the way to 100. You can bet I have my eye on 100 episodes. I definitely do. I don't know when that'll come. I didn't think I'd take the whole last week off, but I did. Um, you know, I always kind of have these ideas, these thoughts, like I would love to get that out there, this out there, whatever. I'd like to be timely, relevant, all that stuff. But sometimes there's not a lot of timely stuff to talk about. Sometimes there's not that much relevancy uh, for something that I could talk on, right? Something that I could comment on that I would even feel comfortable putting out there. I think I stretch it as as it is sometimes, right? Anything outside of BYU sports, and it's all of a sudden kind of like, well, what does this guy know about this? And even then, BYU sports, you talk to a different BYU sports person, they'll be like, this guy doesn't know anything about that either. So anyway, it's interesting having a podcast is basically all I'm saying. The audacity to feel like anybody might want to listen to what I have to say about anything. It's kind of funny, right? Anyway, here I am again, and I'm still going to keep going for now, at least. But I, I'd like to keep this going for a while, actually. I really like doing this. I just need to kind of branch out a little bit more and kind of have a better better mind on which direction I want to take this. But anyway, sorry, I'm rambling. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving week. Uh, on today's episode, it's just me flying solo. So talking about something that I actually wanted to bring up for a little bit. Uh, I came across an old letter to a friend that I wrote. Uh, it was within the last few years, probably three to five years ago, something like that, um, talking about what role bishops play in confession. And I thought that was interesting, and I and I, I I rediscovered it, and I was like, you know what, this this is interesting to me, so I'm gonna throw it out there, see what y'all think. Obviously, please would love your feedback. Um, things to come later this week, we're definitely gonna do kind of like an NY6 potential at BYU. Like we're gonna wait for the rankings to come out tomorrow on Tuesday at the end of the day, and then we're gonna do a podcast kind of talking about BYU's potential there. I'll bring Chase back on, and then um, that'll probably get dropped on Friday because I know his. Uh, Chase's Wednesdays are super busy, so yeah, that'll that'll probably be the plan. And then sometime next week, getting into the month of December, Christmas, all that stuff, I definitely have, I already have kind of an outline of a podcast I want to do for an episode of, of Home Alone. If any of you have listened to the rewatchables on the Ringer Network, Bill Simmons, all his crew, they kind of, they do this thing where they go through these movies and what makes them so rewatchable and so great and everything. So I'm definitely following kind of that same blueprint, but with that said, going to obviously hopefully provide another spin another take and do some more unique things but we're going to be talking about home alone because that is such a classic for people in my generation and i think there's a lot of you that might appreciate what we have to say kind of little nuances and the funny things and whatever else that we have to bring up about that movie and why we all love it right so anyway look forward to that that'll come sometime next week thank you all again for tuning in love you all have a great week let's start december off strong Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, most of it. And they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> 
I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, the Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. All right. So I'm flying solo on this episode. Sorry, I... <clears throat> I think I've been a little bit sick lately, so that's kind of what you're hearing. Um, this is not like me trying to do a special podcast voice or anything like that, which I'd imagine I sound a little sultry right now. I'm not totally sure what that word means. I just know I've only used it, or I've only heard it used kind of this way when people are talking kind of like this, so maybe I sound sultry right now. I don't know. Anyway, but I hope uh, Thanksgiving was awesome and uh, that you guys... Got a chance to kind of let your hair down, forget about work for a little bit, other obligations, things like that, because uh, I want to do a little recap of my own in terms of uh, Thanksgiving dishes, I think. My top five, I'm going to give those real quick. I won't spend too much time on this because everybody has their opinions on this, and I'm sure mine are going to get totally uh, railroaded. Uh, at some point because mine are all very very typical mine are so basic um but the first one that comes to mind is mac and cheese and to the untrained eye that may come across as somewhat self-indulgent because i was the one that made the mac and cheese for my family gathering but here's the thing the untrained eye would be absolutely right of course i'm self-indulgent i made that freaking mac and cheese and it was dope and it got pretty solid reviews i would say However, not as solid reviews as the sweet potato pie that I made, which was the first time I'd ever made sweet potato pie, and uh, it's really not that difficult, but it was it was great. found a great recipe, and I got nice compliments on that one. Um, but anyway, baked mac and cheese, phew, incredible. I think it should be a staple, personally, within uh, Thanksgiving dishes. I think it's more of an East Coast thing. My brother-in-law was the one that introduced it to our family. He's from, uh, grew up in Delaware, and... Um, just kind of ever since then it's always been around in our family because we loved it anyway uh and then of course mashed potatoes and gravy that's the gotta be involved for thanksgiving as well as turkey ham etc i don't really care what meat people go with i don't i'm not one of those traditionalists that it has to be turkey i think turkey is generally really bland i've had it deep fried i've had it smoked and honestly there isn't like any time where i'm just like there was only one time when I actually really liked the turkey, when I thought, like, wow, this is actually different and great. And it was sometime my dad had a different approach where he put a bunch of, like, citrus fruit stuff in the middle of the turkey and uh, just baked it for a really long time. I loved that one. I thought it was probably the juiciest it's ever been and just flavorful, but it that has not been repeated because it got overtaken by the deep fried and then the smoking, which... They're, like, good. It's better than traditional, but not great still. So if you do ham on Thanksgiving, I'm all about it. Uh, I saw somebody on social media did just a bunch of steaks. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty dope, too, actually. I mean, Thanksgiving, who said it has to be turkey? I mean, just because the pilgrims did it once. For all we know, that was the only time they did it. Who knows? Um, and then rolls are a big part of that as well. Rolls are the other dish that I think you have to have in there. Now, there's going to be a... There's going to be a, a test to see if my mom listens to every episode because she'll definitely call me out on this. Uh, the rolls can't have flaxseed in them. I'm sorry. That's that, that's something that my mom does all the time with her rolls, which 
is pretty cool that you can turn flaxseed into something and make it edible, right? Uh, and and maybe even a little bit tastier than it would be normally on its own. But I think if you're going to do rolls on Thanksgiving, you just you just got to go all out and do the unhealthy kind because everything else is not like healthy. So anyway, um, shout out to my mom for making those flaxseed rolls. However, my personal request for next Thanksgiving is that we don't do, or at least we have some rolls that aren't flaxseed and that they are unhealthy and that I don't feel... Um, healthy eating rolls with my mashed potatoes so anyway just throwing that out there and then to round it out the pies i love 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 pie and i love that thanksgiving kind of like that's a big part of thanksgiving for me is just that like people have these pies which you know my mom as far as i know does not do flaxseed apple pie and she makes some of the best apple pie i've ever had in my life um she made this crumb apple pie specifically that was so 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 good very good. I liked it more than my sweet potato pie, personally. Um, but anyway, so big, big, big fan of the pies. Uh, just all kinds. And uh, I don't think they all have to be homemade either. If you wanted to go, like, go after uh, Marie Callender's and get whatever you can there, do it. By all means. It's fantastic. Anyway, we had a good time. with uh, There was uh, all the families that were in Utah got together and my parents, and uh, it was nice, it was, it was really good food, great contributions, and just had a nice time, just kicking it, relaxing, a lot of football was watched this last weekend too, Um, later this week we'll have an update from Chase on where BYU's fate might be in the, uh, in the NY6, and if they have a shot, we're, we're waiting for the rankings to come out tomorrow, um, it is Monday. Happy Monday. I know this is kind of untraditional to, to give you this podcast in the middle of a Monday because I like to get it out there in the morning, but I think I'm actually going to have to go to like a Tuesday, Friday schedule because trying to get a podcast in by Monday morning is a, probably not worth it at the end of the day for me because it just like, it, it makes my Sunday a little bit weird unless I'm able to get it out on Saturday, but then it's not as timely. So anyway, just give me a little rundown there before I get to the main part of what I want to talk about today. Um, I do want to give another shout out. There was uh, so I went to church yesterday and um, I, instead of going to, I don't even know what it's called. Is it just called priesthood quorum now? Maybe. Cause I don't think it's called elders quorum. They have a bunch of high priests there that they combined, which I like, I actually love that they do that. I'm in a family ward and they do that. And I, I think it's great to have just all different types of uh, thinkers in there. Um, and I was planning on going to that. It's actually my calling now. I teach, I teach, uh, priest quorum or pre priesthood quorum. I don't know what it would be called. Sorry. But anyway, uh, and I have a really fun time doing that. I really, I really love that calling, but, um, I was going to go to the one that I wasn't teaching, but ended up catching up with somebody that I used to teach with, uh, the younger, it was, uh, the deacons, the 11 and 12 and even 13 year olds were in there as well. We, we team taught them together. And I hadn't seen him in a while, and he had been through a lot. He, uh, he and his wife, their their firstborn uh, little boy just came home from the hospital after being born prematurely by eight weeks. So a lot going on there. And then he kind of gave me an update on his life, and they've been p- put through the ringer. And there's no question about that that they've had a lot of uh, a lot of just random things come hitting them, just flanking them, just left and right. And, uh, it's been tough, but 
I was really impressed by his attitude, which was to not let it get him down. And um, I didn't even I didn't even sense that like he wasn't what I appreciated was that he wasn't ignoring his feelings. He was very clear. He's like, yeah, like this, like it's tough. Like this is really tough and it's, it's been hard. Um, but at the same time he was acknowledging that like, there's a lot to be happy about, a lot to be grateful about, and it could be a lot worse. And it was a nice reminder to me that it's like, I'm sitting here kind of reflecting on my own life. And yeah, there are plenty of things on my own life that I can reflect on and be like, well, this sucks. Like, Obviously, I have goals to get married. Obviously, I have goals to have a family of my own. Obviously, I have goals to have my own house and, and kind of start my life in that regard. And none of that has happened yet. I still plan on all those things happening. But it's easy to kind of think like, well, when is it going to happen? When am I, when am I going to be on that path? And, you know, I'm, I'm a believer that we, we kind of make that happen, right? I think God is there on long way to help us out with that. But at the end of the day, he le- leaves our agency to us to be the deciders of when that will happen. And I can look back and reflect and be like, well, why has it taken so long or this or that or the other? And is it my fault or is it God's fault? And it'd be easy to place blame everywhere else but myself. And I really don't do that. I, I look at myself and I'm like, no, I could have done a lot of things differently in my life. But I also have a lot to be grateful for. I really do. And that was what was really apparent to me when I was talking to this this friend of mine in my ward. He made it clear that he wasn't going to let it get it down. His wife wasn't going to let it get her down. And they've got a beautiful boy, and he's, you know, pretty healthy, especially all things considered. And he still seemed pretty happy. And so I was like, well, that was a nice reminder that it's like, I have a lot to be happy and grateful about too. You know, I don't, my life is not nearly as hard as his is right now. Now, these things always ebb and flow. You know, this life could be hard for me when I start my family. Like, it's possible. But, you know, when I reflect on times like these, it could be a nice reminder to think, I don't need to let this get me down. You know, that's that's completely in my control. And uh, God is with us every step of the way. There's no question about that. So I wanted to share that because I thought it was very Thanksgiving appropriate, post-Thanksgiving. It's also very Christmas appropriate, I think. One thing I want to do, and I actually ended up writing this down on my bathroom mirror, what blessings do you have today? That's the only thing I have written on my bathroom mirror right now. And I've done that before. I've written things on my mirror before to kind of like give me reminders and whatnot. And um, I liked that question a lot because it was kind of like, why don't we just try and remind ourselves? Now I say we, it's like, I don't, I don't want to speak for everybody that's listening to this, but it's a nice reminder for myself, you know, what... What blessings do I have today? And so I'd like to maybe try for the for the rest of the year, and I did it this morning, to just write down everything I'm grateful for every morning. I think it's a great way to start your day. It's a great reminder that we are we are blessed. I am blessed. I have a lot going on in my life right now um, in a good way and a bad way. But more than anything, I know that, you know, my Savior does love me. There's no question about that. And that God is rooting for me, and uh, he is on my side. Anyway, so I hope that can resonate with some of you. And that's all I wanted to share for that little tidbit of a segment. But let's get into the meat of today's episode. Um, how do you like that transition? It's not, not necessarily a rough transition. I'm just going. I'm just going and seeing how this, this whole episode goes. I hope you all enjoy it, but... 
Um, I came across an old letter that was written to an old friend. I wrote this letter to a friend. Um, it was while I lived in Texas, actually. So this would have been sometime between 2015 and 2019. And the reason why I wrote it was because I had this deep conversation with a friend who I actually have not seen in a long time. But he and I have always had great back and forths. Um, he and I were talking about kind of the role of bishops in confession. And it's kind of like this interesting concept that we have to go to somebody to say, hey, this is what I did. I messed up. You know, and, and the role they play in the repentance process, because we always talk about how personal repentance is, right? And how um, it's really just between us and, and God to repent, which is true. But if that's the case, then what role does our priesthood holder, um, you know, above us, you know, our our bishop in this case, what, where do they fit in all this? And what is it? Is it really necessary? And that was ultimately his question. He's like, do I really have to tell him everything I've done in order to feel like I've been forgiven by God because I should be able to repent on my own. And I do believe there's a, a, a concept that fits into there that makes sense where it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, if you are truly repentant, but I wrote this whole letter to him kind of laying this out because I do believe that the role of our bishop and our uh, our immediate priesthood holder above us that is able to help us is, is important. And this is what I wrote. So I'm going to read this mostly verbatim. Um, I'll go on tangents here and there, but for the most part, it'll be just pretty much how I wrote it to to my friend. I said, first off, I think this is an awesome and very important question that everyone should ask themselves. The idea of confession seems a little antiquated that might have even originated with the Catholic Church. I don't know. It's possible. And for obvious reasons, might trivialize the concept of confessing being the only thing necessary for repentance when in fact it is only the beginning so that's where my whole theory comes into play. I think there are multiple parts to this question. And I told him, I said, you'll have to forgive me for not addressing all of them, but I'll do my best to tackle some of what I think are the bigger aspects of this question. First and foremost, it is important to recognize that Christ has repeatedly stated in the scriptures that the moment we decide to repent, we are forgiven. I actually think I've shared that on the podcast before, so I'm going to pull up that scripture that's in Alma 34, 31. And if you bear with me just for a second, I'll have that pulled up. Um, Alma 34, 31. Okay, this is what it says. It says, Yea, I would that you would come forth and harden not your hearts any longer. For behold, now is the time and the day of your salvation. And therefore, if ye will repent and harden not your hearts, immediately shall the great plan of redemption be brought about unto you. I'm not totally sure what plan of redemption means in this context, but I think it's safe to say that that basically talking about how once you take the moment and repent and truly, truly, truly become penitent about what you've done, you are forgiven. I believe in that. I do. But that's not really everything, and I'll get to that in a second here. But that's what it says in 3431, right? The moment we decide to repent, we are forgiven. That's how I interpret that. Which to me signifies, and this is the back to the letter, that although repentance may happen immediately, transformation takes time. This may be because of an addiction, for example. You're not, you're not going to be sober in a day, right? Post-addiction. You're not going to be not addicted to something the moment you repent. That just doesn't happen. That's not human nature. And we do have to abide by the laws of human nature and the universe. 
or because a mental state needs more time to understand why we need to give up the sinful actions and overall conquer the desire to sin in the first place, right? All this takes time. It just has to. But this still leaves the question wholly intact, right? Repentance is one thing. Confession may be a part of the process, but confession isn't repentance. So what is the role of confession in repentance? And here are some of my immediate thoughts. I think self-honesty, or another way of calling that is intellectual honesty, is the beginning of leading a repentant lifestyle. You cannot begin to be honest with anyone if you're not honest with yourself. And if you can honestly self-assess and not justify sinful behavior, and this is obviously utilizing the light of Christ and the Holy Ghost, that leads to honesty. That leads to your intellectual honesty. That will pour over into daily actions and the desire to be better. I think confession is ultimately an acknowledgement that we understand the exact nature of our wrongs, or at least have the desire to understand that nature. We are never being more honest about our sins than in that moment. If we can talk openly about this with trusted people, and we should trust that God has placed specific leaders in our lives for specific reasons, then that is a real reflection of our honest characteristics. And honesty, in my experience, is the most liberating attribute I have ever exercised. And what I love about this is I wrote this years ago. I wrote this within the last four or five years probably, and I still feel that way. That is That has been a principle that I, I 100% believe in and try and live by. Anyway, continuing on here, um, I share a quote out of the True to the Faith, which is True to the Faith, the Gospel reference, and it's from page 134. And in this quote, it says, While only the Lord can forgive sins, these priesthood leaders play a critical role in the process of repentance. They will keep your confession confidential and help you throughout the process of repentance. Be completely honest with them. If you personally confess, mentioning only lesser mistakes, you will not be able to resolve a more serious, undisclosed transgression. The sooner you begin this process, the sooner you will find the peace and joy that come with the miracle of forgiveness. That is a complete echo of my own sentiment as well. I think we can look up to Alma the Younger as an example of confession. This is continuing my part of the letter to, to my friend. I think we can look to Alma the Younger as an example of confession. Ultimately, when he related his own story of comparing what he had done in his rebellious youth to murder, then I think you can chalk that up a confession of his own to his own sons, right? I do think that the real psychological benefit to confession, even outside of the spiritual reasons to confess. So actually, I looked into this. There's actually a... Um, a, uh, I can't remember the word I'm looking for, but basically a non-religious factor in, re- in confession that plays a good role in our psychological well-being. Qualitative researchers, so I give them a couple points here. Qualitative researchers use this tool called reflexivity when coming to conclusions. Reflexivity is essentially an acknowledgement, dare I say confession, of their own potential conscious or subconscious biases. The reason they do this is to establish more credibility as a researcher, right? Because they're acknowledging, they're saying, I have a weakness within my own assessment here. I have these vulnerabilities, which ultimately provide a lot of strength moving forward, right? Because you can then say, as a researcher, you know, for example, if I did, in my dissertation, I've interviewed a bunch of sports journalists, a bunch of people related to sports public relations and tied into that industry. Well, I've worked essentially in both of those. I've worked as a sports journalist. I've worked kind of in the PR realm of sports as well. And I have to assess my own bias in these regards because my experience is not their experience. And I need to acknowledge that. That needs to be its own section within my dissertation that says, I have had these experiences, so my own assessments and my conclusions 
are tainted with that mindset. And that's just, that's just a fact. And so that's what I appreciate about qualitative research is that you have to acknowledge your own bias, which isn't kind of a general problem I have with the quantitative side of research is that they don't generally assess bias because they don't think they have any. When I think bias comes from the beginning, I think bias, I think there'd be just asking specific questions is a bias. But anyway, that's neither here nor there for now. Okay, so this brings me to my next secular point. I say this back to the letter. Research has indicated that there is a psychological benefit to confession, and I actually included a link there uh, in the letter to him. And here are some excerpts from that link, and I'm just going to quote these directly. Any type of open and truthful disclosure reduces stress and helps individuals come to terms with their behavior. For such emotional purges to work, people must be completely honest with themselves. Across hundreds of studies, we are now beginning to appreciate just how expressive writing works. There is no solid evidence to explain this phenomenon, but it most likely occurs because talking or writing about a disturbing event helps us understand it better, and things we do not understand cause greater anxiety. That's amazing that we're finding this from a secular perspective, that people that don't even believe in any form of higher power are acknowledging that there actually is a lot of strengths and benefits to just acknowledging something, purging kind of what you know, being this, having this intellectual honesty to address your situation, right? And this is what, back to the letter. I say, finally, I would like to offer one more thing. What is it that holds somebody back from confession? I think really exploring that question can help us, help lead us to reasons why we should actually confess. Do they really believe that they can't be helped by a priesthood leader who was in Pointed specifically to do just that. Does that limit our trust in God's capability of healing us? Is it possible that God specifically placed that person in our path in order for us to receive, receive the exact counsel that will lead to our ultimate healing? I think a lot of this lies with trusting God. The church is an amazing facilitator of truth, and even though it has its quirks, I truly believe it is the single best organization on this earth to lead us back to God's presence, and for that reason, I have to trust that God is watching over me specifically and will not let me fall away if I honestly approach the appointed leaders he specifically put in my path. Anyway, so that's what I wanted to share. That is the letter that I wrote to an old friend a few years ago. And I loved the reminder of a lot of my thoughts and how they haven't really changed ultimately when it comes to this. And I thought, you know what, why not put that out on the podcast at some point? I actually came across this letter a little bit ago. It was, it's been a, at least a month or so. And I thought this might be some good topics to put out there. You know, what is, what is the point of using a bishop to confess your sins? And I think that's a lot, something a lot of people struggle with. I think a lot of people think, well, what's going to come of me of this? And like, do I trust this bishop specifically? And I don't, I know we don't have the best relationship, but ultimately what I can say is that it's not about trusting this person. I know it seems like you're putting your fate in the hands of this imperfect person, quite frankly, but you're not. You're, you, the only fate that you need to worry about is your own and how God plays a role in that. And that's my own experience with confession, with repentance, and with being worried about what my fate is in the church, which with it at some point will come another story that I'll share on the podcast about experiences I've had specifically in that regard, but that is not for today. Anyway, just want to share that. Happy Monday, everybody. Post-Thanksgiving, coming into December here in a couple days. It's exciting. I'm scared December's going to go fast, but regardless, let's try and appreciate it as much as we can. Let's be sure that we are, you know, 
recognizing what areas when we can serve. Now, obviously, that shouldn't be limited to a month like December, but it uh, it can definitely be a little bit more profound in December because there's a reminder that, you know, this is about our Savior who came to this earth to save us all. So how can we try and perpetuate that message for everybody around us? And what can we do to help people feel loved? So anyway, I feel like I've gone on a few tangents, so I'm going to go ahead and end it here. But I do appreciate everybody that has taken time to listen to these podcasts. Um, you know, it's been it's been a fun ride so far, and I would like to keep this going into next year. But I'm going to, it's going to be a, not a struggle per se, but it's definitely going to take some time and it's going to be a little bit busier for me work-wise. So I'm going to have to try and navigate that the best possible. If anybody has any ideas of certain directions they'd like me to go, by all means, I'm all ears. I hope you all know that by now. Anyway, I love you all. Thank you again and have a great week. I'll be back with you later this week, probably Thursday, maybe Friday. We'll see. Um, And we'll go from there. Talk to you later. Everything's changing my mind. Go to a different time. Old love. I remember falling so madly. There must have been magic in the valley. And a rhythm in the night. Cause I could almost see it. Did you fade right? takes time, I, I, if it takes time, I, I.